Hey guys, I'm Bert with Dabbing with Washington Artists. The idea is simple. We have six dabs and six questions. So sit back, light your torches, as we sit down and interview the artists that make Washington, Washington. Hi, I'm Jess Grant, and I'm here today with Dabbing with Washington Artists. Really excited to be on the show. If you are interested in any of my music afterwards, check out JessGrantSongs.com. For today's series of dabs, we will begin our smoke session with a Gorilla Grapes, a Cookies and Cream, and a Blueberry Cheesecake. And we will round out the session with a Berry Beach, a Lemon Slurry, and a Strawberry Cheesecake. Hey everybody, and thank you for joining us on Dabbing with Washington Artists. Today we are joined by Jess Grant. Um, thank you for joining us today, man. Oh, it's a pleasure. Awesome. Uh, I'm glad you get, we were able to uh, to join us today. Um, uh, are you ready to get started? Oh yeah. All yeah. right. All right. Okay. So um, so our, for our first dab today, we have uh, some Gorilla Grapes. Gorilla Grape is an indica-dominant strain with a rich terpene profile of grape and diesel and is known for its tendency to leave the smoker feeling couch-locked and sleepy. We scored a gram of this crumble from a shop on 112th Avenue in Mill Creek. So um, the first thing we like to ask everybody when they come in is uh, what role does cannabis play in your creative process? Well, I realized that that was your first question. So I've had a little bit of time to think about that one. Mm -hmm. um, I, for me, cannabis is more uh, a medicine that helps me get through the day. Um, I don't, it's not like I'm going to smoke more weed because I, I want to write a song. It's okay. not. It's not that kind of one to one correlation. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, I. It's. It's more a part of my daily ritual. Mm -hmm. uh, cannabis. That is. Oh sure. Uh, songwriting. I tend to come at a little more sporadically. Okay. So. Um, so I wouldn't say there's a one to one correlation. I do think that in general, cannabis and and a lot of other entheogens that you know, spirit me plant medicines that um, that do help you get in touch with uh, a deeper part of yourself. Sure. Tap into your inner genius, if you will. Right, right. Um, and it, so then it's really more about finding the time to like set aside your daily, the daily chores. And, you know, I'm, I'm gonna spend the afternoon with my guitar or whatever, mm -hmm. and you, and you, take that energy and now you're focusing it on this project, this, this creative moment. Um, so I think it's always a background to my creative process. Sure. But I, uh, there's so many other factors that go into that, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't, I, I, I admire the practice of artists who do it every day. When I was, I took six years off of songwriting to do screenwriting and I was, I was much better in the screenwriting in terms of, Button the chair every day. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I've been doing songwriting longer since I was in high school, um, and so that tends to be a little more sporadic. I kind of come at it when I'm feeling something really strong, whether it's emotional, a relationship, or some issue that's up. I wrote a lot of songs on this new one during uh, 2020 with the pandemic and mm -hmm. Trump and all the rest of it. It was like there was material everywhere. Everywhere, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, do you have a preference uh, towards any kind of strains? Do you have any favorites at the moment? or uh... Not really. As Considering how much and how long I've smoked, uh, I don't have much of a palate. And sadly, it's the same. You know, it's it's the same with coffee. I love coffee, but I've worked in a barista setting where people are they they use the wine terminology to talk about the coffee. They do these things called cupping, where it's not even brewed. It's it's uh, you're just smelling it and stuff. Um, I just don't have that palate, so I can't bring that palate to cannabis either. And so I know I like sativas more. Okay. Um, Okay. I'm not much, I'm not much into couch lock. I can always overcome couch lock if something needs to get done. But sure, sure. Um, you know, and I'm honestly I'm a little annoyed at stunners that use pot as an excuse to like not get up and do their shit, you know. Um so the next one we've got going today is uh, some cookies and cream. Cookies and cream is an indica dominant hybrid with a sweet, subtle taste that lingers for minutes after each hit and is known for its tendency to leave the smoker couch locked in in a haze. We scored a gram of this saucy oil at a shop in Capitol Hill. So the next thing we like to ask is, um, mm -hmm. how has living in Washington influenced your sound or creative process? Well, I moved to Olympia in 94. Mm -hmm. I grew up in L.A. and then I lived in the Bay Area for a long time. And okay. So I came to Olympia in 94, and that's, what, 17 years ago or something? Um, no more than that. Oh, man, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Six plus 21 is 27 that was a while ago, so I've been here a while. It totally feels like my home. Mm -hmm. You know, having grown up in L.A., uh, which is a desert. Right. Let's make no bones about that. Um, I, I've always felt more comfortable in a, in a wetter climate. I used to even just drive up to, uh, when I was growing up in L.A., my older brothers had moved to the Humboldt County, and I'd love to go up and be in the trees with them. And so, you know, Washington State is at least on the west side a lot of that and so um i like just being surrounded by the green and um that's why i like a bit how has it affected my art um i just i remember writing a song about moving up here and it was it was a song uh about dislocation and i kind of tried to universalize it by having a a character who, how, how people are displaced and on, in all times and through all cultures, there's displacement for various reasons, you know, environmental or war, people move. The place you grew up is not the place you're in now. And I, um, so I guess at, at minimum being in Washington has given me a little bit of a, an exile point of view. I mean, it's all the U.S. and it's all the West sure. Coast, but you know, to be thousand or so miles away from my family mm -hmm. and just um it's a different culture too it's you know it's i think i i respond people are more real in flannel than they are in like <laughs> cool side clothing or right right uh, so there's something about the culture of seattle that's on you know there's bands here that i really related to like the the gets and not that i got to see them but um you know, we had that sound. We had the Seattle sound. And so I think Very the much fact true. that it's a music town is good for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, you know, not that, not that I've 
really made a living at it ever, but I've done it for a long time. And to be in a town that's considered a music town, there's a lot more players here. There's, oh, yeah. you know, there used to be clubs. There's still a few clubs. Uh, of course, the music scene's changed entirely. That's a different discussion. It but, really has. But, um, so yeah, that piece of being in a music town is also really good. And then, find, you know, I had, I've had bands since I moved here. And so it was easy to find players and find rooms to play in. And we were, uh, we were checking out the, the, uh, song, uh, the, the Washington waltz. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we were really digging on that one just cause I'm a Washington native. So like, I just, I don't know it. It just, that one was just kind of, Oh, this is a yeah. great, this is a great representation of Washington. <laughs> cool. I liked it. I mean, yeah, I, I thought the Tennessee had one and that Washington needed a waltz too. So the next one we've got going here for our third is some blueberry cheesecake. Blueberry cheesecake is a well-balanced hybrid with a rich taste of blueberries and cheese and is known for its tendency to leave the smoker euphoric and relaxed. We found a gram of this BHO at a shop on Evergreen Way in Everett. Sometimes it gets a little, uh, a little congested. So, uh, your new song, The Tastiest Combo, yes. uh, is an ode to the classic combination of coffee uh, and weed, a.k.a. the Seattle Speedball. Um, in your opinion, what is it about uh, caffeine and cannabis that resonates so strongly with people in Washington? Um, well, first let me say why I... Uh hate the Seattle speedball analogy. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, it, I loved it when I first heard it. And then I, uh, oh, because I, I think that they're relatively benign. <clears throat> that, that the, you know, that cannabis and caffeine are, are not things that will kill you. Whereas sure. speed and heroin are things that will kill Absolutely. you. So, you know, ha, ha, ha. Except if you've ever known anyone that, died from drugs or whatever it's then it's not as funny so fair enough okay uh, yeah all right but uh why do i think washington people people from washington resonate so strongly with the combination of uh caffeine and cannabis um excellent question again the coffee part almost seems obvious it's you know there's a culture of coffee here mm-hmm. and the town fathers never you know, tire of promoting it. And, and I won't, I'm not going to say the S word, but you know, it's, it's right. it prides itself on coffee. Uh, I lived in San Francisco for a long time where there was North beach. Um, I, I guess even there, I, I'm a little annoyed that Seattle likes to think and invented good coffee and, and the espresso machine, but they didn't, we didn't. If I can speak as a no, absolutely. You know, it came. The, I believe they're Italian machines. This is originated mm-hmm. in Italy and then it migrated to certain urban centers, including San Francisco. North Beach was an Italian neighborhood. Sure, you could. You know, they uh, Cafe Trieste in North Beach. There'd be people singing opera in there, and you know, it was a different culture back then. Um, and it's migrated itself towards drive-through, twenty-ounce drive-through drinks. Right. Um, from Gals and Braun. I, I mentioned that in the song about, I guess the song is about how each of those cultures have changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to your question, um, you know, maybe it's just because of the, the 
the long wet winters that people associate being inside with sipping coffee and especially now a lot of more people working from home maybe oh totally you know nobody's getting out of their pajamas to go to work and why not so it's i think it's very pro coffee the the age we live in plus everyone's still trying to get stuff done so it does have the upper effect of the speed but without being absolutely fatal absolutely um and um and then the cannabis is just i think a nice compliment in that it's it hits a different part of your brain Mm -hmm. um you know, for me, it actually I can I can regain focus. I don't I know that's not true for everybody around cannabis, but it no, actually but absolutely yeah. You know, it can get me going back in the groove again sometimes. Um, so I I think it's a it's actually a fairly productive kind. If you're if you know if those are your things. Mm-hmm. For those of us who are wired that way, it can be a really productive combo. You know, for a little, sure. little bit of get up and go and a little bit of feeling really creative and just wanting to apply that energy to like good stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. to make a difference in the world and make something beautiful. Um, you know, I think that's one thing cannabis does is it puts us back in touch with values mm-hmm. and makes us more value centered people, hopefully. Yeah, it doesn't always have that effect, but it can. Um, I mean, when I was coming up, there was a whole a social culture around it too. Like you know, oh, past yeah. sharing joints. I mean, nobody shares joints anymore, but I miss that sort of shared communal uh, aspect that was ritualistic that bonded people. Absolutely. And for those at home, since I forgot to mention it here, uh, we have Berry Beach, which mm-hmm. uh, oh, actually pretty nice. Berry Beach is a sativa-leaning hybrid with a unique blend of sweet berries and citrus and is known for its tendency to leave the smoker with a kick of energy and hyper-focused. We picked up a gram of these sugar diamonds at a shop on 128th Avenue in Linwood. Um, so your, the new album, The Tastiest Combo, yes. has an impressive range uh, to its lyrical content. Uh, from, from the humorous to more political and emotional pieces like Walk Away and Life in Quarantine. Um, what can you tell us about your process in arranging such an eclectic album? Well, it's a, I haven't made any albums quite like this. There was, uh, the challenge of doing it during the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, and safety concerns. How do we make a record in the right recording studio that's underground and, and do it safely? And the answer was to just only ever have two or three people in, in there at the same time, usually in different rooms and, you know, doing all the masking and distancing and mm-hmm. hand cleaning and um, praying and, you know, <laughs> right, right. whatever it was we got us to hear. Um, so that was part of the process. Um, kind of, I had also had to change studios. The uh, guy that I made the last record with, uh, Mark, he, uh, he closed his studio, and so I was kind of like without my comfortable, usual place to make mm-hmm. a record, because I'd worked with him for quite a while, decade mm-hmm. or more, um, and so I was, you know, out in search of a new studio home, um, and found Joe Reinecke down at Orbit Audio in Pioneer Square, um, and that was wonderful. It was, it was a great relationship. It was so good working with him. I hadn't ever hired a producer 
per se. I did you know, okay. I produced, I'd, I'd hire good engineers and good mm-hmm. players, but I'd always kind of produce the records that is making the artistic decisions about sure. what goes where and, and how. Uh, kind of with the input from the engineer, because engi- good engineers have good ears. Yeah, absolutely. But and they might even be the ones that ended up mixing the project, but they're not necessarily producers. And I just wanted someone to have a little stronger hand uh, in guiding the record. Okay. Uh, and, and Joe was exactly the right guy. He he had a lot of good ideas. A lot of the stuff on the record I, I have to give him credit for, including pushing me to make the songs better, and, which included like writing new sections and making parts longer and you know, he'd make me try this, he'd make me try that, and um, that was a good collaborative process, and it's, it's exactly what I was looking for. It's like, oh, yeah, I can do what I do comfortably, but to have someone, you know, he's worked with Macklemore and made some, he had his oh. own big, you know, he produced Macklemore, and then he had his own band um, in the aughts called Alien Crime Syndicate, who had some hits. And that does actually sound a little familiar. I mean, he's a rock star in his own That's right. Cool. Now he uh-huh. now he produces, and you know he's kind of humble. And I didn't even realize like he had this whole like catalog of really good hard rock pop sounding. That's cool. You know, uh, really intelligent stuff. And so it's an honor to work with him. And he's he's all over the record in ways that you can't necessarily know or hear. Mm-hmm. But he had a big influence in making me improve the songs pushing me to do stuff more stuff in the vocal booth um and and then i I have to say the biggest part was or or at least a a really big part uh was his rolodex who he knew players he could bring in and and play on the record were amazing like that's great daniel walker the keyboardist toured with heart and uh jeff fielder the guitarist with Amy Ray from the Indigo Girls, and he's <laughs> cool. out working all the time. And Jen Ayers, and I don't know, my buddy Jeff Termas uh, from LA that I went to high school with. Um, he put down the bass parts, he toured with Mavis Staples for 13 years, so uh-huh. he's total pro. And uh, I'm just lucky to know him, and uh, <laughs> right. you know, he's a good bud. Um, so yeah, the 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 uh, the players that Joe assembled, uh, it's an amazing band and some really great playing. Um, so I encourage people to listen to it. Um, I think it comes off pretty strong. It feels like to me right now the best record I've made, and I've, I've been making records for a while. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So we're on our fifth one here, uh, getting closer to the end. Um, we have Lemon Slushy. Lemon Slushy is a sativa-dominant strain with a robust aroma of lemons and pine and is known for its tendency to leave the smoker feeling giddy and chatty. We scored a gram of these sugar diamonds at a shop on 56th Avenue in Marysville. So uh, your song for my foreskin is about is about circumcision uh, and genital mutilation in America. Um, would you say this song had an intended audience in mind, or was it a more personal exploration of the issue? Um, 
I remember writing it upstairs at Target Printing. I was a printer at the time, and I, I was sorting paper up in the storage room. And there was, no, what was I? It was uh, the shrink wrapping stuff. Okay. And there was the rhythm of the machine kind of gave me the impetus to that song. I kind of wrote several of the verses, like shrink wrapping to the rhythm of the machine. Okay. Something like that. But um, I was an activist. I, I've been an activist most of my life, working on a variety of issues. Uh, I guess my first nonviolent direct action was at Diablo Canyon doing anti-nuclear stuff. But I, I've you know worked on a lot of issues over the years and ran for sh- sheriff in San Francisco on the Peace and Freedom Party and on an anti-eviction platform. But short story, I, I was working with some groups that were trying to end infant circumcision because it just seemed like a good idea. And I think I'd been introduced to feminism and I was, you know, I think I'd worked with men against rape in Santa Cruz and just sort of the men's side of feminism and like, yeah, thinking, it just got to thinking like we're, we're doing this thing that's got to be painful to little babies who are defenseless. And what does that do with their relationship with the mother? And, you know, then I read about how like, you know, babies won't look at their mother like they're taken away for the circumcision and then brought back, and it actually destroys, in a way, the bond between infant and mother right. because the, the baby depends on the mother for protection, and suddenly right, you're right. dragged into a bright room and, and hurt. Absolutely. You know? So I, I started to think about what does that do to men's psyches, and you know, men sadly seem to have a, a prevalence for violence, and maybe there's a reason for that. And, Maybe that's one of them. I don't know, but um, or at least a contributing factor. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, it was just something I thought about. I'm not, you know, I'm circumcised and whatever. I don't care. I still, yeah. you know, it works and oh yeah, it feels absolutely. good. So I'm not complaining on exactly. that front. It's not yeah. a personal thing, but it does seem like a weird thing to do to our babies, absolutely, boy or girl. And and you know, no, I'm. Just, I, I would say I'm against all infant circumcision. Yeah. Regardless, and I will say that across all cultures, you know, in mm-hmm. all places and all times, it just doesn't seem like a good thing to do to kids. Absolutely. Um, so that was where I was coming from. Um, and oddly, it's probably uh, the most known song I've written just because within that movement, within that period of time, like, I sold a lot of that CD. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, and just for that one song, but, you know, it was, I was... Um, so it was a bit of an anthem for a movement at a certain time. That's um, awesome. Which was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Because it brings a little humor to the topic, too. Right. Know? Absolutely. It's not like a deadly serious song. So, uh, for our final one for the day, we have a strawberry cheesecake. Mm. Strawberry cheesecake is a sativa-leaning hybrid with a sweet flavor that lasts long after smoking and is known for its tendency to leave the smoker feeling chatty and creative. We found a gram of this sauce at a shop on 88th Avenue in Tacoma. There we go. So, um, you describe your sound as having one foot in folk and the other in rock and roll. Yes. How would you compare the folk elements of your sound to... Uh, Pacific Northwest folk or folk from other parts of the country? Ah. Well, you don't hear much of the folk on the new record. Um, mm-hmm. 
the song nine featuring Tecla Waterfield, um, it's about as close as we get. Okay. And, uh, I, and uh, that's one of my favorite songs on the record. Um, I think I come at folk. Well, I guess pop folk was the first music I listened to. My, my parents had a hi-fi set and um, big old console thing. Oh, yeah. You know, and, um, they had the Weavers and Joan Baez and Ed McCurdy. And, um, oh, wow. Okay. Listen to this old folk music and some, you know, some of it was social justice, like the Weavers, um, Pete Seeger and those guys. And, um, so I think folk music is, is in my blood that way. Um, but also it's a, it's a form of necessity. And, uh, I've been involved with, uh, movement stuff and, and specifically labor stuff. I've been a member of the law, at least the IWW for a long time. And, um, music's very much a part of labor culture. And, you know, if you're on a picket Absolutely. line or you're at a rally or something, and you need to be able to get up there and sing some songs with a guitar and, and, and not make a big deal out of it. I mean, I love recording and I no place I love more than the recording studio, but sometimes you got to just get up on a soapbox with a guitar and, play a song so there's that kind of elemental uh part of folk music and uh you know and it tends to be songs about working people which is great you know so much mm-hmm. of our tv and movies about rich people and you know in a celebrity filled culture it's nice to still play folk songs about Absolutely. working people and you know in my folk music i don't I'm not playing standards. I do a little bit of that, but I'm I'm yeah. talking about singer songwriter stuff. People, sure. you know, even local people like Jim Page who are amazing. Um, you know, Jim Page can hold a room wrapped with just him and his voice and his guitar, and he does a lot of labor stuff and and movement stuff. And have you ever heard Jim Page? No, no, but I'll definitely check, check it out. him out. He's he's kind of a icon locally. Um, so I think there's that sort of that social justice side to it I like. The part back that folk music was part of my wobbly culture as a union member. And Utah Phillips was also kind of a big inspiration in the, for me in folk music. Um, he, he, there was no show like a Utah Phillips show. He, he talked more than he sang, but he was a great <laughs> songwriter. But mostly he was a storyteller. And it was, and it was, a lot of them was just funny, goofy stories, but a lot of it was about, you know, old union people and hobos and mm-hmm. working stiffs. And, and um, so I think that's what I love about folk music. And I just feel like, you know, if you're a songwriter, you better be able to just pick your guitar up and if you're in a living room, sing a few songs. Absolutely. I don't care how well produced your records are. If you can't just sing your song in a room, don't get out of here. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you guys for joining us. Um, Stay high, everybody. (laughs) Hey, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Remember to hit like or follow and uh, share with your friends. Bye.